Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta at C70. I got David Jones, my pop editor over there on the other side. Uh, the Cardinals are still not playing baseball. Uh, there are teams that do, apparently, though, in October. Uh, David, how, how, how intently are you following the rest of the playoffs? You know, I... Uh, uh, hmm. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to answer that. Like, I know what's going on. I've I've watched some games. I like watching the games when they get a little bit close towards the late innings because the playoff atmosphere is tremendous. And because of how dismal my fantasy football team is this year, I can't stand to watch those guys <laughs> out there. So I, I have been keeping my eye on it. It's it's a little um little disheartening to not see the Cardinals playing. I keep an eye on some of the former Cardinals to see how they're doing and see what their stat lines look like. Uh, you know, especially a guy like Jordan Montgomery, if he's starting a game, that's kind of fun to watch. Uh, but you know, my heart's just not in it. It's, yeah. it's nice that, you know, I've got teams. I find that I'm actually pulling against teams more than I'm pulling for <laughs> teams at this time of year, but yeah, I, I'm kind of keeping my eye on it. Um, I've yet to watch an Adam Wainwright game yet, but I think that'll be coming soon. Uh, where's your interest level been? Um, I guess we should say it's it's uh, obviously turned to fall because the leaves are changing, the, the temperature is cooler, and Clayton Kershaw's getting blown up. Um, but I, yeah, postseason baseball, of course, again, and, and with my watching situation, I can't actually watch uh, any baseball because I don't have direct TV or anything of that nature. And, and for some reason you can't watch that through the MLB app. So, um, I keep track of it. I try to, at least, um, you know, here and there, I have not followed it too closely. Um, a lot of times I, I will say it, I'm a terrible fan for saying this, but you know, when the Cardinal season is over, especially in years, again, different this year, but most years, you know, I've spent most every night watching TV that I just don't, you know, I'm just not tuned in as much. I don't have the connections as much. It's, it is interesting to watch. I will grant you. Um, and sometimes in the past, I will have turned it on and watched, you know, the last few innings of the game or try to keep track of something that's maybe going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had enough trouble trying to name all the teams that were in the playoffs. Um, although, you know, 50, 50 shot, right. Uh, just about. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we saw that saw Montgomery pitch today and, not quite as well as he did in the first round, but still enough that with the bats of, of Texas to get a win. Uh, well, if he went deep enough, I guess. Um, Jack Flaherty, pitch, you usually try to you usually uh, give me the warning when uh, Jack Flaherty's into a game. <laughs> um, uh, and the, it's interesting to look at those two guys specifically um, because they are, and I guess maybe, I don't know, you know, you have Jordan Hicks who also made the playoffs. Although I don't, you know, with the Blue Jays not, you know, actually scoring a run, I don't think, or something of that nature, uh, don't know that he got to, you know, show up in the game. But, you know, how these guys have impacted their free agent status, both, you know, over the last couple of months and then now into the playoffs is really interesting, right? I mean, Montgomery has done nothing but raise his stock, while Jack Flaherty, I mean, he was already struggling in St. Louis, but now I don't even know what the market looks like for him. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you, um, if people think Cardinals fans can be brutal on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, 
Orioles fans can take that up another notch. Uh, some of the things they've been saying about Flaherty, and I know some of it has to do with the fact that they thought that their team was going to go out and get better pitchers in the trade mm-hmm. deadline. And um, they feel like they gave up a lot and got nothing back in return for Flaherty. But I mean, they are brutal. Now I will say today they were all over Baker more than they were with Flaherty. A lot of, I even saw some fans saying that they should have brought in Flaherty instead of Baker for the point that they need him for long relief. And they were mad about that. But uh, a lot of their fans are just saying that was a complete waste of a trade that they got rid of three prospects, three guys that could potentially help the team at some point for a pitcher who probably shouldn't have made the roster or was the last guy to make the roster uh, and a team that may be on the outs of the playoffs. So yeah, it's been a it's been a rough ride for him. I, I think what we've seen though from most of the guys that got traded is they basically put up similar numbers with their new teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Now Cabrera was lights out to start uh, his time with the Blue Jays, but as things went along, he kind of came back down to earth. His FIP got up to about four. Um, Montgomery was basically the same pitcher. I mean, the guy, you know, nothing flashy, but the guy is steady. Stratton was a little bit better there. Um, so yeah, we saw a little bit much of the same, but it's kind of weird because now with the Blue Jays out and with, uh, the Orioles basically on the verge of elimination, it may only be the Texas guys left who actually have the former Cardinals. And I say former Cardinals as in this past season still mm-hmm. on the roster. Yeah. I mean, you, when you trade those guys off, obviously you want the best return, but you, you kind of hope that they get a chance to, to make that deep run. Right. I don't, you don't, you don't really hold any grudges, especially in the situation that the Cardinals were in this year to, to trade off guys. You hope that they do better. And it may have been, you know, a little bit better, couple of months but it's about as short of uh, about as long as october as everybody else has you know um you know like sacred hicks is out in two games um flaherty they may only be at home they get three uh with that by keeping them alive for a while um yeah it's interesting I, I just peeled up drew roms you know baseball reference war minus one for the cardinals but then jack flaherty in baltimore was a minus 0.6 so you know when you're comparable to a guy that's making his major league debut and probably doesn't need to be in the majors that's not a good deal for a guy like jack flaherty no not at all and you know i I know it's still too early to say this but I mean, I think you look back at the trade deadline and say the Cardinals were winners of the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, you know, if Montgomery goes on and the guy is like the MVP of the World Series and they win, that's awesome. Like, that, that is great for him. But you look who they got in return. Uh, Roby is looking really good. I mean, he lit it up in the Arizona Fall League the other night. Um, the guys, he, he was mixing in four pitches. He looks like the re- real deal. Sejaci was an all-star. Um, the guy looks like he is definitely a major leaguer. So that trade is one of those where, yeah, that pitcher may go on and do amazing things with his new team, but the Cardinals got a great return for him. The other guys are either really not playing or their teams are out of the playoffs. And so whatever the Cardinals got back, hey, it it worked in their favor. So We'll still see what that will turn into, but um, hopefully we've seen the building blocks going forward. And I think that we'll see some of these guys start to, which we already saw Rom, but I think we'll see some of these other guys start to affect the team probably about 2025 when guys like Roby and Sejaci and some of the others are ready to come up. And we also have the possibility as we kind of transition into what we probably talk about this 
week and weeks to come, have the possibility of it being one of those really fun trades where you trade a guy, you get stuff back, and then you get the guy back, right? I mean, Jordan Montgomery is going to be one of the Cardinals' targets this offseason. Um, you know, I don't know how high he is on the list, but we've got an article from Derek Gould came out earlier this week that really kind of walks through what the Cardinals were thinking, what the Cardinals want to do. Some of that, some of it is maybe a little bit of speculation, but most of it seemed to be pretty tied into some sources. And I'm sure if Derek heard this, he would say it's all tied into sources and and maybe it is. I I don't know. No doubt about that. It's just the way it reads. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly who, I mean, how many people have told him this is what they're looking at, or that's, these are people that are on the market. But, you know, to to go get a Montgomery and to get that return after two months and then, you know, again, have him on the roster as well. I, I mean, can you imagine a rotation in, you know, 2025 that has Montgomery and Roby in it and, and what that would be like? <laughs> uh, no, uh, but, <laughs> but hey, if it happens, it happens. I'm skeptical and I'm skeptical for one reason and one reason only. It's it, it's one person that has me skeptical. It's not mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery. It's Scott Boris. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that may be the reason that we don't see him come back. Cardinals just really don't deal with Boris. Uh, he's not exactly the best person to deal with. He also represents Blake Snell, which makes me skeptical that Snell's going to happen. You know, I think I think. You know, Matt Holiday was a Boris client. I think a lot of that had to do with Matt Holiday wanting to stay. Now, if Jordan Montgomery really wants to go back to the Cardinals, it'll happen. I think sometimes with Boris, I think the players forget that he works for them and not the other way around. You know, we've heard stories about Boris basically telling the players where they're going to go because he got them the most money. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But oh, the guy, he has a reputation, and I understand why the Cardinals don't like dealing with him. But if Montgomery wants to come back, then that's a completely different story. And, you know, we've heard this kind of over and over leak out that there's a chance he would come back. And we hear it from credible sources. When Derek Gould starts saying that there is a chance that Jordan Montgomery comes back, it makes me think that this has actually been heard from both sides. Maybe they've heard this from the Cardinals, but maybe they've also heard it from Jordan Montgomery at his camp that he might be open to coming back. I've heard people say that they think he hated playing for the Cardinals. He was glad to get away from the team and the coaching and the pitching staff and, or or the pitching coaches and things like that. And I don't know if that's true. He never made any comments like that. I think people were reading into it. I know people read into his facial expressions that they saw (laughs) in the dugout, um, which, you know, some of us have resting podcaster face where we don't realize that the camera's on us and we're, we just look like we're bored out of our mind or yawning or whatever. So I, that's why I we don't know. record with cameras on the show. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I would not put any stock into what the guy looks like in the dugout. Uh, I, I read some things about him that said he got along great with the pitching staff when he came over. I, how are you not going to get along well with Adam Wainwright? Like, I think mm-hmm. they got to be very close. And so you know, I would welcome him back with open arms if he wants to come back. Um, it would look great. Let's just make sure that the rotation does not look like a carbon copy of what it did at the beginning of this year. That's my fear. Yeah. We signed Montgomery and it's like, hey, you know what? Hey, Flaherty would be a great fifth starter. Mm-hmm. He's going to be cheap. Then you're like, oh, come on. Let's not do this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as long as we're not going in that direction, okay. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to see him back. I think he would be a great number two for the team. Um, so if, if that's a possibility, let's make it happen. 
Yeah, I will. Uh, Scott Boris has been, again, he's kind of in those, in those players that the Cardinals don't necessarily aren't going to spend the money for. And it's not necessarily that it's Boris. It's just, I mean, that doesn't help, but you know, they have dealt with him in the past. I think of, you know, Rick and JD drew those kind of guys. And it's, but that's obviously been a while of it, but, and I'm sure they've had some others, like you said, holiday um, in the past. I mean, Boris is a former Cardinal farmhand, you know, he liked to think, uh, but he has definitely not let that uh, color his judgment at all. Um, I, Montgomery did have some quotes this week. Um, and it was, and Eric says that Mo didn't want to close the door on a reunion, which is a little bit, a little bit more, we're going to keep it open unless we're going to go pursue it. Right. Um, so maybe they're not as in, enthralled with that as well uh, as we might think. But Montgomery did have a quote that I read where he talked about when he came over to the Cardinals, you know, he really meshed with Mike Maddox and that really kind of helped him click and, and improve from what he was with the Yankees. And so of course he's met up with Maddox again in, in Texas. It maybe he didn't mesh as well with Dusty Blake. Maybe, um, you know, maybe that's a situation that changes again, the Cardinals throw enough money at him. I'm sure he would come, but I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's a situation that's a little bit weird. We've talked about it before, how they didn't go after that extension in spring training. Like they really probably should have. So to go after it now, I figure it will cost them if that happens. Yeah. I, the thing in spring training confuses me. Like I, it see, it seemed like an obvious thing to do. Like you definitely want this guy. I don't know if the Cardinals like were kind of in one of those, let's make him prove it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Maybe Boris was just saying, yeah, sure. We'll sign an extension, but we want this much money. And it was just a ridiculous amount. I don't know. Um, it, it, but it, yeah, it seems like it should have been done, but it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I, uh, it's one of those very, very weird things. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish it, Montgomery seems to me like uh, unless he becomes a superstar and a household name in the World Series, mm-hmm. he seems to me like a guy who's going to go into the offseason underrated and will probably sign for a little bit less than you expect. Like, I don't think he's going to be a guy that signs for over twenty five million a year. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he will. But I think he's going to get less money, even though he is relatively young. Um, I think he's going to go in an underrated pitcher and probably be even underpaid a little bit. Now, I, I will throw this out there for um, for any Cardinals fans that may, might be sent, bringing up the Wilson Contreras factor. And I brought this up like several weeks ago, wondering if free agents might possibly stay away because of Contreras or what they've heard or things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, when Contreras was behind the plate this year, uh, Montgomery had a 2.74 ERA, which is very, very good. Um, <laughs> 2.74 that was over 46 innings um all of his numbers looked really really good his strikeouts were better than there than they were with kisner um batting average against was lower than almost anybody else that he pitched with this year um so for anybody that's worried about the Contreras factor he actually pitched very very well with Contreras this year um so hopefully that will not be a factor hopefully when it comes to any free agent pitchers this year it's going to just come down to money which may not be a good thing either for the Cardinals. Well, and you know, the Cardinals are going to factor in money for sure. And one of the reasons that they might be interested in Jordan Montgomery is because it is just money and it's not 
a draft pick and international money. We were talking before the show and looking at some things, but the the top names that are out there are Aaron Nola and um, Sonny Gray, uh, both of which the Cardinals have been interested in. Derek Gould reports that they're both going to, I, I don't remember if you reported that. Let me talk that real quick. I want to say that if they did, they were going to make an offer to both of them. Um, uh, they're going to approach them because they think they're going to both would be good fits. Um, and we've seen them pitch well in the postseason so far. We'll see if they continue to do so. They may like Montgomery rack up their prices, but both of those guys should be able to get a qualifying offer. And, you know, well, I'll let you, I'll let you run with this, which you were, we were looking into this uh, earlier, but there's a reason that maybe one of these guys is coming, but not both. Yeah, I put out a tweet, I think it was yesterday about this, because after Gould's piece came out, I saw people running with this as though the Cardinals might be signing Nola and Gray, or people saying the Cardinals should sign Nola and Gray. And listen, if all things are equal and everything's the same, that's a perfect idea. I love that move. Let's do it. Here's the problem with that, though. As you mentioned, both of these players are most likely getting qualifying offers. So what that means is if the Cardinals are going to sign one of them, they must give up their second round pick plus $500,000 in international money. If the Cardinals would sign both of them, or if they would sign any two pitchers who have rejected qualifying offers, they must give up their second pick, their third pick, and a million dollars in that international money. That is a big deal this year because the Cardinals will be picking fifth in the second and third round. If you go back last year, and this changes each year because of comp picks and things like that. But if you look at this current draft, that would have put the Cardinals picking 44th and picking 75th. So that means to sign those two players, you would lose number 44 and number 75 in the 2024 draft. Typically with the way the Cardinals have drafted, those are very, very good players. They're going to be there around that spot. You're probably getting guys who are going to be immediately going your top 10 or top 15. And then you're giving up a lot of international money as well. Now, some could argue that it's worth it, that if you're getting two guys who are going to be at the top of your rotation, it's absolutely worth it to give up your second and third round picks. My thing is, I don't think that's the way the Cardinals operate. I think the Cardinals were uneasy giving up their second round pick for Contreras this past year. And you got to think if they already gave up their second round pick this year to get Contreras, they really don't want to give up a two and a three in next year's draft, especially when they're drafting higher. So bringing that full circle, I think they're very interested in one of Aaron Nola or Sonny Gray. And you could throw Snell in there too, because it's going to be the same thing as well. But after that, you're going to have to try to find pitchers who do not have that qualifying offer attached to them or possibly guys in the international market who that's not a concern with or through trade. But I, I honestly believe the Cardinals will only sign one pitcher who has a qualifying offer attached. Yeah, I think that I don't think the international money is a big deal because the Cardinals haven't necessarily been big in that market anyway. And a couple of times where they have been, it's kind of blown up on their face. Um, I think they would give that up without much issue. But yeah, and I think maybe in certain years when you're drafting normally the 19 or 20 and then whatever that would be for the round two and three, then yeah, I think maybe you do it. Maybe you do it then. But you're right. Drafting high like that, um, you know, giving up, you know, what could be the fifth pick in the second round and the fifth pick in the third round or 
even higher depending on how the lottery want shakes out. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot to give up. Um, I'm not going to say they they won't do it because you know it's district times, district measures type of thing. But it does feel like you get one of those guys, you get a Montgomery type. Uh, there's not, I don't know. We talked about a few others like Stroman and others that might be on the market with no qualifying offer. Um, you know, maybe you've got a trade in there for a pitcher. Maybe you're looking at a uh, Yamamoto, which I thought it was interesting that Derek's piece did not mention. Um, I've forgotten the other guy's name. Starts with an I. Shota Iminaga. That guy. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't mention him in there. He did mention a uh, closer. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Yuki Matsui. Matsui. Uh, which, yeah. Uh, which is interesting because, again, one thing that Derek does put in this that I don't think we've looked at a lot, and it's fair to look at, though, is that the Cardinals are looking for maybe a couple more solid bullpen arms as well. Um, I don't for, you know, we focused a lot on the rotation for good reason, but I hadn't really thought about the fact that they really may go out and, you know, bring in five new pitchers and we're really kind of revamping the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I think, and you know, they t- I've talked about, you know, Tyler Glasnow as a possibility, maybe, uh, if you're looking at trade and stuff, although trading with the race is always problematic. Um, so it does feel like, if they sign one of those guys, the other guy's out of the picture. And it it also sounds like the Cardinals are looking to sign one of those guys, you know, day one of free agency almost if they could, you know, very early on. And I think that's just a really, it's a smarter, more savvy move than I can think this front office doing in a while um, because mm-hmm. of many reasons, but mainly because it's a strong signal to everybody that it's not business as usual. I completely agree. I hate that teams seem to wait until December. I know you have to get things sorted out and there's a lot of things that you have to go through to get there. And it may be agents that are delaying the process and saying, you know, we're not going to talk until the winter meetings. Let's, you know, let's, we can talk, but we're not actually going to start deciding on the dotted line till then. I want to see the Cardinals be aggressive, get out of there and just say, Hey, let's go. Um, I think Sonny Gray is a great fit for the team. Now, part of that is Sonny Gray. He pitched and grew up for about five miles from where I'm at right now. Uh, Apparently he's a local and still hangs around and people here in the Nashville area don't even recognize him. (laughs) Um, I've had friends tell me that they've just seen him at restaurants and nobody has a clue that's Sonny Gray, but the guy has been one of the best pitchers in baseball in the last five years. He's been underpaid. He's been underrated. And I think that's going to continue. Now I know he'll start the season being 34 years old, but his numbers this year, his numbers last year, none of those things show any sign of decline in what he's doing. They actually show that he's gotten better somehow. I think the Cardinals could potentially sign him for maybe three years, $65 million, um, maybe three years, 65 to 70, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't think he's looking for a five-year deal. I think he three years or so, it's going to be good. Hey, he'd only be about five hours away from his, uh, from St. Louis to Nashville. You get to be close to home. Family can come see you pitch a whole lot closer than Minnesota. I think the guy fits perfectly. 
uh, Nola is another guy that I think fits perfectly. Um, guy that's done some work with big league impact. I've heard he's got some family in St. Louis. I, I think that he fits well too. Um, but you know, any pitcher that you sign at this point, the way that we've seen guys drop like flies, you're taking a major risk. Uh, and so I think that's another reason why the Cardinals really need to make sure that they're going after three pitchers and not just two, because it seems like th- these days you almost need to have seven guys ready to go in your rotation so that you're looking decent for the season. Uh, because, you know, like we saw Max Scherzer, he's not making a roster uh, right now for the Rangers. DeGrom, he's definitely not there. Carlos Rodon, he did nothing this season. So I think it makes it all the more important that the Cardinals are diligent and smart in what they do, but also be aggressive and go get the guys you want and don't just take the leftovers that are out there after everyone else has done the bidding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's so important to do this for this off season. Right. Um, and, and again, I mean, if you're trying to sell season tickets to people for next year, I mean, you can't sell them on, you can't sell them on it's like Wayne Wright's last year. You can't sell them on, you know, some sort of retirement thing. Uh, I mean, maybe you can sell them on the first full year of, of Mason Wynn or, of, you know, the next year of Fort Walker. But basically, you got to have, you're probably going to need a, a big picture to sell this to. And um, I think that's something that, you know, if you if you want to be of the indication that the front office is all about money, well, there's an indication right there that they're going to have to do something because they're not, you know, that those ticket sales is huge for St. Louis and the market they're in. And they're probably not getting it if they don't show that there's something different about next year's team than there is of this year's. I agree. And, you know, I think one way that they can show us that is obviously by signing one of these top free agent pitchers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like I said, you know, you get into the issues then with the qualifying offers after that. I think making a splash on the international market uh, with one of these Japanese pitchers would be huge. I I know not a lot of fans are probably familiar with those guys and and understandably so we don't get to see them pitch outside of the WBC, but Yamamoto, the guy could be an ace. He is probably going to start as a one or two immediately. I think he has the stuff to be an ace in a rotation. Now, the problem with that is everybody else in baseball knows it. And I think 30 teams are going to be going after this guy and you're going to have to compete against the Yankees, the Cubs, the Mets, uh, the Dodgers, things like that. And so teams that have the money and are going to outspend the Cardinals or who can even offer a little bit more because of their location, they're probably going to have a better chance. But a guy like Imanaga, I think would be perfect for the rotation as well. Um, this guy has great, great stuff. He's 30 years old, so he's not the posting fee is probably not going to be quite as much, and his contract's not going to be as much. Uh, but I think the guy fits in perfectly in the Cardinals rotation. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about losing those draft picks. You don't have to worry about trading some of your core players off somewhere else. I think the Cardinals are in a great position right now. If they can sign somebody from Japan, if they can sign one of the top free agent pitchers, if you're going to get that third pitcher, then you can kind of go hunting, not necessarily in the bargain bin, but you can start looking for those guys who may be willing to take a one or two year deal uh, to try to get back at things. Um, Maybe a guy like a Seth Lugo who looked really, really good this year, who's kind of flown under the radar. Uh, Maybe you take a Frankie Montas and hope that he can actually get back to where he was. Um, Maybe somebody like a Giolito who you pay a little bit more than you normally would for a one or two year deal and hope he can actually find it. 
I think if the Cardinals are aggressive and they get those first two guys quickly or, or smartly, I should say, it opens so many doors for what they do next, whether that needs to be through trade, whether that needs to be through free agent signing, whatever it is. But please, 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 if you know, I'm sure Mo and the DeWitts are listening right now, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um be aggressive, be aggressive. Don't sit back and like, let's see just kind of what happens. Um, go for it. Do you think, I think it's an interesting question because if the Cardinals do go out, I mean, part of being aggressive part of is maybe setting the market, right. And maybe paying more for, let's say Sunny gray than, the market will eventually look like, like you could pay Sonny Gray and maybe Aaron Nola comes in with a contract that's about the same or, or just significantly step up where you're like, man, you know, maybe we should have waited. But do you think that if the Cardinals go out and do what they're wanting to do this winter and it doesn't work, like they go out and get a Sonny Gray and he winds up being on the injured list for a significant point of the year, which is like we saw with some of those pictures you were talking about a minute ago. Uh, and, and maybe there's, you know, even though there's depth, you know, if you lose a gray and, it, you know, maybe, you know, Michaelis continues his slide and Matt's isn't what we thought we saw, you know, and, and it's not 71 wins, but maybe it's an 80 win season or something like that. How does the fan base react to that? Is it, well, at least they spent money or do you think it's just, okay, that's two losing seasons in a row. We've got to clear everybody out of there. There's always going to be the se- the segment of the fan base that's going to overreact that no matter what happens, this team is horrible. This team is awful. Uh, there's people that after the day after the Cardinals win the World Series, they, they'll be complaining that this team is going to be awful next year and things mm-hmm. like that. And so I think if that happens, yeah, you're going to have the, the fire everyone chant going from some people. I think it all depends on how it plays out. Uh, I think if it's if you have a couple of your pitchers, your star pitchers that you sign, who suddenly have shoulder issues or have to go undergo, undergo Tommy John or, you know, something like that. Let's hopefully that doesn't happen. But if right. that happens, I think the normal fans, the ones who are lo- more logical will understand that and give a little bit of a pass because it, you tried it and it just didn't work out. However, if you're failing because it's Miles Michaelis is still struggling. Steven Matz is hurt again. And you're trying to put Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill out there and their backs and wrists and everything else are just not keeping up. If that's the reason the team is struggling, then I think fans have a reason to be mad. And yeah, I think that's when it's justified to start calling for uh, people to start losing their jobs at that point, whether it be the coaching staff or whether it be the front office. So I, I think it just depends. I, I think if you go for it and try like, I mean, Yankees fans are not giving their team a pass for Rodon being right. hurt. Um, I think they're actually kind of looking more at Texas and saying, yeah, but, you know, their guys were hurt and they're doing okay too. So I, I – but I, I tend to lean on the side that if you've put together a great roster at the start of spring training and it doesn't work out, then okay. And I say this looking at the Mets and Padres this year and realizing mm-hmm. that's exactly what they did. But at least in my opinion, that's where you kind of go, okay – we will get, we'll take a mulligan and see about next year before we try blowing it up. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe that's when you actually do need to blow it up, but uh, hopefully that's not the case, but yeah, injuries, injuries can be a tricky thing. Sometimes, um, sometimes they're 
crazy and random. And then sometimes it's things you just come to expect from certain players. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it's right. It's all about expectations and, you know, the fact that the Mets and the Padres, especially the Padres, you know, this is what they do, right? They go out and get a whole bunch of people and then they never click and then they go sell them all off. And then, they, you know, so there's at least that expectation. They've gone out and done something. So now they need to win because it's been two or three years. Now you've collected all this talent, you know, that first year you do get that little bit of a pass. And so I think the, I think you're right. I mean, there's obviously people that are like two years out of the playoffs is a tragedy and travesty and this should never be done. But I got to think that if they put together a team that really does look good um, and, and some baseball happens, um, people are going to, some, some people are going to understand that. Uh, and it is, it's an interesting place. I mean, do then, yeah. Should you give them the limit of the doubt? feels to me like you should, because it's not, it's not you keep doing the same thing and hoping for the best. You're actually being active and trying to fix the problem. Now, you know, do you come then say, well, maybe you aren't the person that should be fixing the problem. And that's after a couple of years like that, maybe that is a, a fair assessment and trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I, it always is interesting to me how a team could win a hundred games and the managers praise. And then the next year, crazy things happen and they, only win 82 games or something. And then the manager gets fired. Like I don't think the manager lost his managerial skills in one year. Uh, Just things happen sometimes. Uh, You know, you look at New York, Buck Showalter getting let go. Um, Was that a good move? Was it not a good move? I, I don't know. Uh, The players didn't seem to think so. Um, You look in San Diego. uh, It seems like the fans actually like the general manager there. Um, despite the fact that they lost. And maybe they like him because he's not afraid to spend money and make crazy trades and bring in players, but they still didn't win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I you, you don't want to lose. Uh, and I can understand when, if your team's losing, why people are going to be upset. Um, but sometimes you lose for crazy reasons. Uh, but hopefully this time next year, we're actually talking about who's going to be starting game three rather than the Cardinals missing the playoffs again, because this past year was depressing. And that's, I think that's why I'm so looking forward to this off season because I'm ready for next season to get going again. Cause I feel like we got cheated out of this one. Yeah. It, you know, for the fact that it was a long season to deal with, you know, there is that idea that you didn't, didn't see much. Right. I mean, somebody put it out in it and one of the discord servers I'm in, but you know, the Cardinals were, 12 games under 500 at the end of April. Um, you know, they didn't get, you know, it's not that they got much better after that, but they still, that was where the, the hole they dug for themselves that they never were able to get out of. And when it's bad enough when you're kind of struggling and you miss the playoffs, but you're in it in September or something like that, or at least, you know, can, can pretend like you're in it in that time of time when at the end of April and you really don't feel like there's much of a chance that's hard. And that's a long, that's a season that you just, you can't connect with and yeah, you want to move on to the next one as fast as possible. And I'm hopeful that this winter will give us plenty of things to talk about. And uh, you know, as they revamp this roster and however it may be, um, hopefully at least it looks like there's a much better chance in 2024. Yeah. Um, let me throw this at you. We didn't talk about this beforehand, so I'm putting you on the spot here. But if you were going to give me give me your 
just three players that are not on the Cardinals, three pitchers not on the Cardinals right now. Realistically, who would they? Who would you put in the rotation if you could? Guys who are not current Cardinals, but if you could take any three guys who are out there, whether it's you think they're available via trade, international, free agency, um, which three would you want? Not in like a fantasy league, but if you're being right. realistic, who you think could actually happen? It depends on how realistic you think Yamamoto is, right? Um, you know, the Cardinals have scouted him. That's what Derek says. Um, I would like to see that if they were going to be aggressive, they were going to do something. I'd like for a guy that's 25, you know, and, and that kind of talent, I would say, you know, I'd like to see them spend all the money, get him. And then, yeah, then you get a gray. You know, obviously you're, you're kind of pressing yourself out of NOLA. Um, and then, man, that's a... I mean, that's hard um, because it's a, and it's a situation that if you try to trade for a young pitcher, because that's, you know, ideally what you'd want, right? A young controlled pitcher, but then you're giving up a Gorman or a, a Donovan, I think. And I don't know that the Cardinals want to do that. So I'll say Yamamoto, Gray, and I'll say Montgomery too. I'll put those three guys in there. And if you put those three in there and then Michaelis is your four and Matt's is your five, you've got, you know, Libertor and Thompson as your six and seven. You've got Roby hopefully ready by midseason. Um, you've got Dakota Hudson probably still floating around unless they DFA him. Um, you've got, you know, other fringe guys that are floating here and there, maybe Palante or somebody that has to fill in for Ed Gay or two. That's a significantly better situation than the Cardinals had this year. What about you? Yeah, I, I like that. Um, you know, Gray floats at the top of my list. I know people get upset about the age, but you're talking maybe two, three years is what you're, and I think the guy's going to have it. Uh, so Gray, yeah, Gray's up there on mine. Um, and then, yeah, Yamamoto would also be there on mine too. Um, if it's Imanaga, I'd be okay with that. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be perfectly fine. I feel like if it is Imanaga, then that third pitcher you get is going to need to be a little bit of a higher level type guy uh, to kind of compensate for that. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of there too. I'm uh, gray, then Yamamoto, Imanaga, one of those. And then after that, you know, I, I think you're kind of maybe th- looking at possible trades. I, I think at that point, Glass now is probably a little too rich. Dylan Cease is a name that keeps coming up over and over. I don't know if that's realistic. Um, maybe you give up Gorman and you get and maybe something Gorman, another piece, you get Dylan Cease. One thing with him is he's going to be cheap next year, but then you're going to have to start paying after that. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that being a detriment too. So yeah, I, I'm kind of in that same ballpark with you. Um, I, I, one of the two Japanese pitchers, uh, Gray, and then after that, I. I really like the Montgomery idea. I, I think that fits perfectly with what the Cardinals are looking for. Um, you know, I, I'm curious about Giolito taking a flyer on him, a mm-hmm. guy like Montas. If you have to save some money, um, Michael Waka potentially. Uh, you know, here we're talking about a four or a five at that point. Right. Um, but yeah, I, the the three you said I think would be tremendous if the Cardinals could pull that off, and I. I think the money's there to do it um, might be a little rich, but I, I think they could do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like they probably can. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, they're losing the way they do the accounting. They've lost $17 million for Adam Wainwright coming off the books right there. I mean, just 
you know, plus the guys they've traded away, plus other things. I mean, there's, and there's going to have to be a significant bump this year. I mean, they've kind of, well, I haven't said that, but I feel like they know that. Um, I don't think they're going to say it because of what they said last year. Well, yeah. I mean, payroll is going to go up and, you know, I saw today even somebody showing us an article from Derek that showed that, yeah, payroll went up from opening day 2022 to opening day 2023 by about $30 million. But I think that, you know, by the end of 22 to the beginning of 23, it only went up maybe a couple million or something like that, depending on how you do your accounting. Um, And I think that's to me, I mean, I get why you compare opening to opening, but because it, you know, there's going to be money added on, but it still felt like when Mo said, made a point of saying that, that there was going to be a significant increase from where he was at that point in time. And that did not happen. Um, but that's also not exactly what he said either. That was just <laughs> the implication that was, was given there. So I do feel like if the Cardinals say they're going to do something, they're going to do something. They have not said that they're going to significantly raise payroll, but they have said, you know, what they want to do. And that would require a significant raise payroll, you know, going into this winter, last couple weeks, I really thought the Cardinals would do, you know, sign an ace, trade for a two, sign up three, four guy. But the more, you know, more I think about it and the more I listen to other people and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm a little bit, I don't know. I just don't know that the Cardinals want to give up or maybe should give up a Gorman or a Donovan to get that kind of picture. And when they can get a lot of the same stuff, if they just are willing to, to spend money, I mean, this offense has looked good at times, but replacing Gorman might be a significant thing to have to do that. They're not ready to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I do think what, what makes us tough to name the three pitchers. I think that the Cardinals will sign two and get one via trade. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that looks as far as one, two, three, four, five on there, but I do think we're going to see a trade and I could, it would not surprise me to see them trade with Miami. I could see them trading with Seattle, although it will not be for Logan Gilbert. It will be for a different pitcher if they do that. Um, so that, that is a possibility, but I agree with you. I think I'd rather see them sign that one and two, or maybe that maybe they're one and two for the Cardinals, but they look more like twos and threes to us. But if you're going to make that trade, maybe you're making that trade for the four or the five, um, a high quality four but you're not giving up nearly as much as if you're trying to s- trade for Dylan Cease or glass now or something like that. And so I, I agree with you. If the, the team is willing to spend the money, go out and get the best two pitchers you possibly can. And then kind of reconvene and decide, do we have the money to go out and get that four or five, or do we need to make a trade to get a cheaper four or five who mm-hmm. maybe, is in pre-arbitration or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you hundred um, percent. Save your offense if you can and, and see what you can do with your wallet. Yeah. The problem with trading with Seattle is if they go out and get Brian Wu, he's not only going to be like the second most popular Wu in St. Louis. And I don't know that he can handle that. Katie Wu has already given her blessing on this. Okay. So well, she's that, actually... Okay. She has encouraged this to happen. So I think it I think that even just makes the deal even more significant because she is all about this. So yeah, she has given her blessing. No worries there. I, I think we're good to go on that. All right. Well then that sounds like that's what we're doing this winter. Because <laughs> you know, what Katie wants, 
Kenny hits, right? So we will see. Uh, plenty of time um, to uh, to talk about things as the season, as the winter goes along. David and I will be in and out. Don't necessarily think we'll be here every week, especially uh, until the playoffs are over and there's not really anything left to talk about unless there's some news or notes. But uh, if you're subscribed, you'll find it. If you're following us on Twitter, we'll share the links. Um, you know, if you're not subscribed, go do so. If while you're there, go and you give us a rating or review, uh, do all that fun stuff. But uh, we'll be with you at some point in time soon. And for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. Breeze is at four home runs this postseason. Swinging for number five right there, and it's a full count. The Rangers a strike away from winning it in both the ninth and tenth innings. Two strikes on Freeze, two strikes on Burton. Hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow.